Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today in a few sentences. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yes, thank you, Mike, uh, and thank you for having me on the show. My name is Dr. Underwood, and I am a DNR diversity inclusion practitioner. Uh, I am also the founder of the National Association of Minority Speakers. Awesome. So, tell me, what do you think is the biggest challenge faced by companies looking to hire diverse talent? Well, I think the biggest problem is attracting diverse talent. Um, a lot of organizations, I believe, uh, don't put enough focus on uh, ensuring that as they go out and look for people for these different opportunities, they are looking in diverse places. For example, uh, when you think about college graduates, think about going to some of the HBCUs. Um, think about some of the organizations that people of color or people in a marginalized group may be associated with. And so you can go to those associations to ensure that you're finding, again, diverse talent. One of the challenges, I think, for organizations or not just organizations, but the recruiters in the organization is their circle of influence doesn't necessarily um, include a lot of people of color or people in a marginalized group. And so, therefore, when they're looking for talent, they're looking within that, that circle, again, of influence. And uh, that's understandable. So if the recruiters themselves are not seeking out to be more diverse, then they will only bring in candidates that are just like them. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And to sort of follow through, I hear from other thought leaders that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, exactly. Um, it is a challenge if, you know, again, your recruiters or your talent management team is only focusing on their sphere of influence. And I, I think that that's where the biggest challenge comes. The recruiters, in my personal opinion, or the whole talent management team should take an implicit bias test so that they can be aware of their own biases so as they're going out and trying to find these, these candidates, if they see that they're starting to lean towards more of an affinity bias, then they have that level of awareness helps them to kind of hone that back in and look at things more uh, with equity. Okay. So, so there are like, like ways that they can get better at this. You're saying that there's this assessment that they could utilize. Yes, yes, yes. The, the, okay. the assessment is, you know, again, for you and, I, and anyone, I, I really believe like anyone, everyone should take an implicit bias test, just that you're aware of your biases. And so you can be conscious of them as they start to play out in your day to day activities. Nice. I like it. I probably have a lot of biases. I'm a very opinionated software engineer. So, <laughs> and, you know, yes. you know, the, the irony uh, is that biases is not necessarily a bad thing in some scenarios you know, that social cognition kicks in and, and, you know, it could be a dangerous situation. And, you know, you know, situations like that is where you, your biases come into play and says, you know, that's probably not the best option to take at the moment. So biases don't necessarily have to be uh, a bad thing. It's just when they show up in uh, areas that doesn't provide equity for people, that's when it starts to become uh, a challenge. Right. So what advice would you share with a company that's looking to increase the diversity? More importantly, retain staff that they get hired. That, that's a great, great question. So I, I want to start with the retaining staff. I think one of the great things that people are doing is they're going to these different diversity organizations and they're providing the, lead, the diversity inclusion training to their leadership team. Uh, they also focus on systematic 
uh, issues in the workplace. But not many people focus on the actual people who are receiving these microaggressions every single day. And thus, they don't necessarily make it to the point where those leaders are getting all this training to create that inclusive environment. They don't get to the point where these organizations are trying to change these systems so to make it more uh, equitable. And they end up quitting. So the turnover is really strong. I would say that start with reaching out to or creating an organization within your organization, whether it's an employee resource group uh, where people of color or people of marginalized group can go to and feel comfortable, feel psychologically safe enough to express how they feel and then give them tools to help manage the stress of those day-to-day, again, microaggressions that they are experiencing. Okay. Give them tools and support. I like it. I like it a lot. So um, what other experts like yourself uh, would you like to acknowledge as a leader in the space and um, maybe see if they'd be a good fit for a podcast like this? Oh, that's a, that is a good question. Um, so I have a colleague, so- Sochi Ledesma. She would be a perfect um, person for to speak on diverse inclusion issues. Uh, another recommendation I would have is uh, Adrienne Lucas. Uh, she is uh, phenomenal. Uh, also, a DNI practitioner. Uh, we have Dr. Tedra White. Uh, she's one of my, my, my personal friends. Uh, she, she would be she would be awesome in uh, being able to speak against speak on these uh, challenges as well. Awesome. Sounds like you got some amazing colleagues. So I'm jealous. <laughs> Um, okay, so where can we find out more information about your company? Um, and of course, this is a great time to do any kind of shameless plugs that you might have. So have at it. I'll take it. Um, you can reach us at info at namspeakers.com. That's N-A-M speakers.com. And our website is www.namspeakers.com. Awesome. Love it. So we got a few minutes left. Um, we could either end early uh, if there's something you want to talk about that you're working on, or you could ask me a question. So what would you like to do? Uh, what well, you know, I again, thank you for for this opportunity. Um, I think that, or actually, I know that we these are the platforms that we need to continue to get uh, diverse voices uh, into the universe. And so, thank you for providing these opportunities in the platform. The question I have for you is, uh, why do you do it? Oh, man. I mean, I feel like I've been so fortunate to, it took me 30 years to discover, well, not the whole 30 years, but about 15 out of the 30 years to discover a hobby that I had is something that like could be a career and could be something that sustained me and my family. And I just love being able to give that to other people and help them shorten that journey when they discover that like software engineering is something they enjoy doing. Um, so for me, it's just, it's like self-sustaining every day I get to wake up and solve problems as a software engineer. Like that's just amazing. So I feel really fortunate to be in a position where I can give back and I can be out in the community and, you know, have campuses that are located in areas that can really make an impact in the community versus like, you know, the whole being a successful, you know, entrepreneur scaling a business, like that stuff doesn't really get me that excited. I mean, nothing wrong with making money, but um, really helping people like that's what I just like gets me up at five o'clock in the morning every day. So like, I love it. That, that's awesome. Uh, you know, one of the things that I believe would be is beneficial to anyone, but if, if we think about just uh, people of color, 
is having opportunities where there's a apprenticeship style uh, process where everyone is not really geared to go straight to college, but they still need to be self-sustaining. And um, in order to do that, they need a skill. And I, and I feel like, uh, you know, as you stated, just being out in the community, it's a great way for people to, one, see what are different opportunities available that they may not have exposure to. And then, two, being able to actually talk to someone and give them some insight on, OK, if you if you take this path, right, this can lead you lead you here if you want to get into engineering. So uh, I, I commend you for that, because, again, this is the type of opportunities uh, that we need in the community, especially when we think about our youth to ensure that they are becoming uh, successful in, in society. Yeah. I mean, and it's just showing people like that you know, person that looks like me can actually be a creator of content and not just consumers of content. Um, you know, everybody's got one of these little mobile devices, right? Mm-hmm. But like a lot of folks in our community aren't thinking about how they could be creators, right? They're thinking more about other types of paths that they could go down. And I just want them to be able to see like here, there's a value, like a viable path. And then, like you said, I think apprenticeship uh, is just amazing. The pattern has been around for so long and we've kind of disregarded it for some of the more like technical careers in favor of like, it's still for plumbing and welding and carpentry and things that it's like, all right, those are very useful skills, but why don't we apply that same pattern that works for that, for something that, you know, the modern jobs and the modern um, future of work is going to be, all this AI, all this, you know, machine learning, all these computers. And so we need people that can write software. At the end of the day, um, that's a great way to advance our community if we give them that skill set. So I'm a firm believer in the apprenticeship pattern. Plus it solves those other problems of like being able to have an income while you're retraining and reskilling for a new career. So if we can kind of check all those boxes, I think it's going to just be an amazing solution. It's yes. Yes. Just getting, getting the word out there, you know, 100% agree. Yes. Yes. And it, and it touches on a little bit of uh, mentorship too, because when you're getting that one-on-one, if you sit beside an engineer and they're, they're showing you programming at the same time, you build a relationship, that relationship turns into mentorship and that guidance again, keeps you on the right path as well. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the program, Terrence. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 